and welcome to the Messages and Methods Livecast Live 2.0 Livestream Podcast, hosted by Encore Entrepreneurs Shelley Carney and Toby Eunice. We inspire excitement for content creation and marketing your brand and business while answering all your technology and digital marketing questions. We love to help you, our content creator friends, with actionable tips to land more clients, nurture leads, and gain trust as an expert in your industry. Chat with Shelly and Toby live every Thursday on YouTube or Facebook. Hello and welcome to Messages and Methods. I'm Shelly Carney. And I'm Toby Eunice. Let me give you my pitch. I would appreciate it if you, uh, before you leave today, you like our video. YouTube likes it when you like our video. We like it when you like our video. Share with your family, your friends, your neighbors, your business associates, the entirety of your social network so that we can grow the channel. And finally, if you are not already a subscriber, this would be the ideal time to click on that subscribe button. When you see the notifications bell, click on that. What's that? Ringing a bell. Oh, whatever ring, ring, happened to our ring. bell? Where is our bell? It's at my house. Oh, is it? Ring the notifications bell, and that way every time we start a live stream, you'll be immediately informed, and as a result... In the know. Because there is nothing better in life, ladies and gentlemen, than being in the know. Ask me. I went. I was looking back at some AGK stuff from, I don't know, five years or four years ago, and I had the same pitch. Oh, I know. Just I had the whole thing going on the bell and everything. It hasn't changed. Yeah, we had... You know, that's okay. We try to keep it entertaining. Yeah. Well, I think I think there's a part of people that like some form of consistency. Well, you know. Yeah. And it goes faster if it's memorized. Like yeah, that's that. true. If you're listening to the podcast, we hope that you'll take your opportunity to follow us and maybe leave us a review uh, so that other people can find us and, and you know, get some enjoy use our out of content. Our yeah. Good stuff here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, last thing, uh, Super Chat Light is lit. What that means, if you go down to the bottom of the chat window, you'll see a... Um, a uh, grayed out dollar sign. Grayed out dollar sign. Click on that dollar sign. The good folks at YouTube will walk you through making a little contribution to our project. If you're watching this after the live stream and watching the video instead, look at the bottom of the video and you'll see a heart with a dollar sign in it. I know that sounds a little bit of a conflict, but... Uh, click on that heart. And again, YouTube will walk you through the process, make a contribution to our little project. Yay. All right. So let's uh, <clears throat> share our year 2022 with you because today's show is a recap of 2022 and our predictions for 2023 and how to prepare for the coming year, especially when it comes to content marketing for Encore entrepreneurs. So what happened in 2022? Uh, in January of last year, I started a new show with Jen McFarland, uh, Women Conquer Business. And we've been doing that for a year now. We just did our wrap-up show this morning. And that's been a lot of fun and a great learning experience for me. What did you do in January of last year? Anything? I had a birthday. <laughs> and we made some decisions about our business and, uh, you know, exactly what we were doing. And we had a client at, this, at that time, mm -hmm. um, who was putting out a weekly show and uh, about trusts and wills. And uh, then we lost him at the end of March. Uh, he passed away. And I was going <laughs> to say, are you going to tell him how we lost him? We it's not that we lost him in the desert. It's not that we lost him as a client. He passed away. Yeah. And that's never happened to us before. We've never had a client pass away. Yeah. So it's kind of strange. So we, we've, you know, take it a step back and evaluated what we were doing. And uh, then we did a, a book publishing 
contract with somebody. We published her book on Amazon, um, took it from a bunch of stories and, you know, got her to compile it and uh, add the necessary pieces to make it a book. And we published that for her. What made me feel good about that project is that if we hadn't agreed to do that for her, that book would never have been published. She, uh, it, it's one of those things, and I don't know if this is true of all writers, we, we've always written with a very specific objective of getting ourselves published in mind. And um, I think she had gone so far with this, her book idea, completed it. I mean, it was a significant number of words. I mean, it was a 270 page book, but couldn't get to that next step of getting it published. And I think it was for two reasons. One, she had the impression that being published was this massive effort that you were going to have to engage publishers and public relations people. And that kind of, that kind of was the pushback that she needed not to do it. So when she finally asked us and, and it took, I don't know, I'm going to say three months of occasional meetings to convince her, not that we could do it, but that it was possible, right? That, that you could self-publish a book and that it, that it would look good and you'd be able to sell it and people would find it on Amazon, et cetera. And, uh, but once she overcame that, uh, the next hard part was keeping her on track uh, because she has so many things going on in her life that that it was hard for her to focus. It was easier for her not to focus on the on getting this stuff done in the book. But eventually she came around. And and the other thing was she's also, I don't want to say she's a procrastinator. That was always sounds like such a bad description to people that I care about. Uh, but it was she right up until the end, you know, right up until, oh, it's being published. Because I had a commitment. The commitment to her was it would be published by a certain date. And, you know, two days before that date, she's still sending changes like, oh, I don't like that chapter or, or whatever. Uh, so it was a good experience for her. And I think it was a good experience for us because it substantiated what we already knew. And that is book publishing is a lot less hard than you imagine it to be. Yeah. Uh, and I think that gave us another avenue kind of to market, uh, market our services. I mean, we don't. And, and it happened during the month that I happened to be in Arizona. So we right. had to do everything online uh, that, that we needed to do yeah. together. And uh, that was at the time, the end of May is when we went to Arizona together, built the studio in my parents' home. So mm -hmm. I had a place to work from. And then you came back home and you got the book published and I read the book and gave my uh, recommendations on it. Mm -hmm. And and she took those done. recommendations. Yeah. She took those recommendations. Yeah. So I think from a uh, perspective, there was a lot more going on in your personal life than there was in our business life. Our business life was moving along and we were doing the things that we wanted to do or the thought, thought would work for us, believed that uh, would work for us. But, um, but you had a lot more personal things on between your mother and you and Kevin. There was a lot in your life. And to some extent, there still is. I mean, it's your, your past, your medical, I don't want to say issues. You had to have some female things taken care of. <laughs> um, surgery. Uh, yes. And uh, your mom is improving. And Kevin is still dealing with what he was, with what he was diagnosed with. And um, so that's had an impact on you. And I'm honestly really amazed at 
uh, how good you are at maintaining your proverbial head above the business waters with all this personal stuff going on. Oh, and then your son moves out of the house. I mean, you're, you know, you had a lot going on uh, in this year, more than what a normal uh, either encore entrepreneur or senior citizen would expect, you know? Well, actually, probably not, because when you get to this age, you've got aging parents who are going to have a lot more medical issues. You're going to have medical issues. Your spouse is going to have medical issues. Your children are growing up, moving out. That's all happening to encore entrepreneurs. So it's a good perspective to have. Um, And then, of course, throughout the summer, I was working on building a course, Uh trying to get that done, and it was frustrating. But I tried four different course platforms before I settled on one. Luckily, AppSumo was there for me to support my trial and error and uh, get me to the other side. So I got my course up and then I worked with InfoStack to promote it during Black Friday and it'll be promoted again in January. So uh, that was really a great learning experience and, um, you know, it's still ongoing. Uh Then, uh, you know, with Jen, you know, I'm learning to put myself out there more. So I was on I don't know, maybe 10 or 15 podcasts as a guest, mm-hmm. getting my name and my message out there. And uh, you were you on any shows? I was on a couple, but I, they're none, none of which were memorable. So I, I think I think uh, you you always know this. I don't. What's the how different in age are we? 15 years. Okay. So if I imagine myself where I was 15 years ago, that would have made me, uh, let's see, 58, 58, 59. Yeah. Okay. So I was still in the midst of kind of uh, dealing with kids in college and recent, is it, was it recent divorce? 2004. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and still being in business, still having responsibilities to the government, having the government want, wanting me to go travel more and more when I wanted to travel less and less. <laughs> and then having uh, the the ancillary part of my business, which was consulting with government contractors, uh, the various government contractors. So uh, I can see, because, because what I'm trying to, what I was trying to do is, well, why why am I not that busy? I mean, why, you know, and the simple fact of the matter is I was then at that age. And so maybe there's some sort of dynamic that occurs between 55 and 60, not quite retirement, because when you retire, the decision to retire is not only a decision based on your finances, it's a decision based on your commitments. Like you can't retire and continue getting your kids through college. That doesn't work really well. It just, you know, you can't retire and still have kids playing soccer. Um, you just you have to be active in all of that, and and so active means so. Maybe I, I guess what I can give you is the hope that in a couple of years everything's going to calm down, and you're going to have a lot less to think about. Uh, and because you have a lot less thing uh, to think about, you have to figure out what you're going to do with your life. And thankfully, I've had you over the past ten years um, inspiring me to not just, you know, have like your classic retirement where you sit in your lazy boy and watch YouTube, you know, TikTok. You do that too. I do that too. (laughs) Yeah, I do that. Well, that's my way, you know, it's my way of saying, okay, I'm retired. I can do this. 
I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm always surprised at the number of emails I get. And I remember there was a time where I had to get up in the morning. The first thing I had to do was check my emails to make sure that all my clients were happy. All my family members were happy, you know, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. You need, you'd want to check, you know, this one's at college, that one's traveling, this one. And, and uh, now uh, I, I still out of habit. First thing I do is check my email to make sure there's no, you know, messages, phone logs, and email the ungodly triangle, you know, and just to make sure there's uh, that there's nothing that I'm missing. And, you know, nine days out of 10, it's like, Oh no. Okay. We're good. That 80% of my messages are, are hacks, you know, business of some, some kind of trying to take money from me. Uh, the emails are just all the companies that I do business with reminding me that I need to do more business with them. I must get three emails a day from Home Depot, for God's sakes. <laughs> you know, uh, so there is hope that one day your uh, life will consist of checking emails, messages, and uh, voicemails that actually could have gone forever without ever having been checked, except to delete them. You know. Well, we uh, we did interview quite a few. We did. Good experts on this show. And one of the things that they talked about, uh, one of our interviews was about personal branding. And it kind of pushed me to reboot my Shelly Carney Livestream Coach as a personal brand, um, as an umbrella over all the things that I am and all the things that I do. I started uh, an, my live stream back up on Wednesday afternoons. And then we decided uh, to, you know, check in with our viewers and ask them what is it that you want to see what what do you want us to be doing because we want to provide the content that gets views that gets interest that gains loyalty um and grows an audience so they told us uh we like when you go outdoors when you go traveling and and show us that stuff so then we started new mexico day trips um in august and started taking trips uh all around New Mexico. And we've really enjoyed that. So I, I don't know whether we, you and I have actually had this conversation, but there was a point uh, for me during the year that I decided I was going to take uh, the uh, second violin share uh, to your lead and just kind of follow you and support you in what you wanted to accomplish. And when you brought up I, I'm, I, didn't, I, I don't know how we got to New Mexico day trips. I know that we asked our folks, what do you do? I don't know if we, that generated or stimulated a conversation between us. It says, well, why don't we take this angle or, or whatever? And uh, I think the big step was not only deciding that we wanted to do that, but going with a new channel as opposed to just like, oh, let's use one of our 6,000 subscriber channels, et cetera. Um, so when we made that decision, uh, I didn't really have an expectation of how we were going to accomplish that. I can see how to launch. It's easy enough to launch anything, mm -hmm. right? But over a period of time, uh, once it's launched, you have to start considering how do we keep doing this? How, uh, what's the process for continuing to do this? And I feel like now after what, six months, August, September, October, November, December, four months, um, we're finally getting to that refinement point. Like, this is how this happens. You know, this mm -hmm. is what needs to happen in order for you to deliver. It's the content consistency framework and right. schedule, but for a 
travel vlogging right. channel right. instead of and it's a lot a studio channel. It's a lot easier, uh, you, you know as well as I do. That's a lot easier, and one of the reasons we decided to do it that way, build a studio, was it's a lot easier to do a weekly studio show mm -hmm. without ever having to go out in the field to do anything else, right? Yeah. Uh, because the minute you go out in the field, you're not doing a live stream anymore. You're doing a video production, which requires everything that you need for video production, planning, pre-production, production, and post-production. Yeah, uh, a lot more editing. Yeah, editing yeah. and things like that. So, but... B-roll. You got to have lots of B-roll. <laughs> and, and there's an expense associated with it, especially with things like gas prices and keeping us fed, et cetera, et cetera. There is an expense in time and money that you have to invest in all of this. And a good example is my desire not to have to spend hours in an editing bay. So investing, you know, a thousand dollars in getting, a, or more than a thousand actually, getting a new computer that let me work faster and better. Um, but it's a part of, it's a part of not only what our audience likes, apparently it's what we like doing. Shelly and I look, look forward to that one day in the week, sometimes two, when we're together and we're on the road to somewhere. Um, and when we get to the somewhere, it's just kind of fun, you know, looking around and learning new things. I've learned more about New Mexico in the past four months than, than I knew before that. You know, I knew a lot about Santa Fe because I grew up there. I knew a lot about Albuquerque because I spent some time here in college. Uh, but I didn't know, uh, and I knew things like, oh yeah, White Sands, Carlsbad Caverns, things like that, because we did it as, as uh, a family. Well, that was 60, 70 years ago in some cases. So uh, there was a lot I didn't know about. I And I love finding out these new things and the stories behind them. Um, and it touches, you know, two parts of me. It touches my Hispanic part and it touches my Native American part. And um, you learn that one of the challenges is the conflict in cultures that 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 elicited uh, from way back in the, you know, as early as the 1500s. So it's a good experience for me in a lot of ways. And I've had a lot of fun with it. And I look forward to doing it. I look forward to, you know, my responsibility to our partnership is uh, planning uh, for what we're going to do, doing the planning when it comes to weather, the location. We we have the advantage of having some books that helps us. And, and I'm looking forward to expanding it to things like a New Mexico day trip with our boat to, you know, blue, blue water lakes or uh, expanding it to, I want to dug into my um, storage unit and I found all my uh, gold processing equipment uh, because I'm looking forward to us going to places where we can pan for gold. Now, panning in New Mexico is, it has a broader definition. You can also sluice for gold if the water's in the national forest, et cetera. And I knew all this stuff, just never done it. And here's one thing that I can tell you for certain, almost every river in the mountains will have some gold flakes in it. So to me, like, that just sounds like I, I want to find out if that's true, you know? So. And blogging about it. So and blogging, telling some, stories about something it. Something that's coming in the future for yeah. New Mexico day trips is putting together a blog on it. We're, we're having a meeting tomorrow with a very good friend of ours, and she's planning to resurrect a newspaper that um, had been in Albuquerque for, I don't know, a couple of decades, and then it just kind of 
disappeared. Didn't know how to handle the transition to the digital age. And she's going to restart that. And we're meeting with her. And I hope this isn't talking out of turn. I don't think it is. Uh, we're meeting with her to discuss about us having a uh, column each in each of the newspapers dealing with travels around New Mexico. So she sent me a text message this morning about a site that she recommended. Cool. What else has happened over the past years? I, uh, I started to talk about was that we had many different digital marketing uh, experts on that we interviewed uh -huh. and some of the trends that I'm we sure picked up that. from those interviews included, um, you know, how to do your SEO for your website um, how to keep your website customer centric so that when somebody goes to look at your website, they, they are feeling welcomed and they're curious and they want to know more and they might click on some of your free offers or, you know, uh, schedule an, a video chat or something. So those were some of the things that we talked about. We also talked about, um, what else? Pamela Wilson talked about offer accelerator, which mm -hmm. is big ticket, selling big ticket. Um, and then we also talked about personal branding. Uh, we did we did several shows on research reports. We did. We right? did research, yeah. We, we talked take about the uh, content marketing research. Right, why it's important to build a content marketing stra strategy, five minutes about retirement. Uh, um, you know, the business creators report our findings, conclusions, and recommendations. And uh, the cool thing was to be able to go through those very, what what I would call technical reports. They were really, they're reports that are written for marketing professionals. And going through those reports, interpreting them, findings, conclusions, and recommendations, and being able to make recommendations that were no more down to earth for your average entrepreneur who's trying to find his way in the digital marketplace. Uh, and those were, I felt like those were some of our best work because we could come up with it. You know, here's what we findings, conclusions, and recommendations. Here's what we found. Here's the conclusions we came to. And here's the recommendations we'd make to you as a result. I, I think the conversations we had, there wasn't one conversation. Well, there was one, but I'm going to leave that out. There wasn't any of the conversations we have just generalized, right? Um, there wasn't any of the conversations that we had with all of these folks that I didn't learn more from. Uh, every conversation resulted in new thinking, new conversations between ourselves about what we're going to do, new actions. We need a better website. Let's do something about that. Um, uh, so they were really good in the sense that we learned much from them. Uh, and hopefully our audience was learning as much from them as, as we were. And as you can see, we put out a book last year, actually, we put out two books. In February, we published uh, Women in Podcasting, The Messages and Methods Interviews. And in April, we published uh, Livecast Lifestyle, the content creator, oh, Livecast Life, the content creator's lifestyle. Uh -huh. And uh, so we we're pretty proud of doing that. And we look forward to publishing maybe one or two more in the coming year. So we book publishing was not something that we expected we were doing would do more than once as you're you may or may not be aware we wrote a book back in 2020 called a gypsy's kiss that was a treasure hunt adventure based on my life experiences and i say we wrote it although it was my life experiences i couldn't have get, gotten it we couldn't have gotten it completed had it not been for shelley's involvement from the time of typing what i was 
saying to the point of editing and getting it to the point where it was, at, I think at some point it was like 20,000 words, which doesn't make a book. Uh, and by the time we were done, it was close to 40,000 words. and It was a good story to boot. Um, and if you don't believe me, you look at the, look in, can look at the reviews on, they're out there on the bookshelf. Oh, okay. Uh, you can look at the reviews on Amazon for A Gypsy's Kiss, A Treasure Hunt Adventure. But that was, you know, that was, we felt like that was a one-off, you know. And I remember suggesting, we were still in the pandemic in 2020, right? We were yeah. still dealing with the pandemic. We were coming out of it. What what was it, October of 2020 or 2021. 2021? Okay. So we were coming out of the pandemic. So we thought in 2021, people were being more active. And as I was stepping away and, and expecting that we were going to get more visibility for Shelly, I was looking for uh, events that she could attend that would help her increase the level of her personal vis visibility. And the ideal one was women in podcasting, which took place in Phoenix or I'm sorry, Scottsdale, Scottsdale, Arizona, which is near to where her mom lives. So it accomplished a lot of different things for us. So Kevin, Shelley, and I went to the event. Uh, but before we went there, we thought, well, how do we leverage this? What are we, what are we going to do with this? How are we going to be? Uh, and actually, Shelly decided, no, I'm not going to, I don't want to do this alone. I want you to go with me. Right. Yeah. That's how I ended up yeah. going. And I've gone to conferences alone and it's not fun. Yeah. And so yeah. I called them, I contacted them and I asked, you know, it's called women in podcasting. How do you feel about men uh, showing up? And they said, Oh, we have a lot of them. Uh, it wasn't quite true. They didn't have a lot of them, but it was enough so that I didn't feel uncomfortable. And there were, there was no, I, I wasn't presented with any situation where I was, uh, you know, where, I uh, felt like I was uncomfortable and not in the right situation. Anyway, we were thinking about how to leverage that. And I stole an idea that I had used for years, way, way back when I was working for the government as a contractor. And uh, like documentaries, I found out that you could write a white paper or a case study by interviewing the experts that were responsible for the content of the white paper, the case study. And all I had to do was massage those interviews and turn them into something. So I suggested to Shelley, why don't we interview some of the women that were there? And she went along with it. I mean, we put some effort into the planning part um, uh, because you had to plan. We didn't speak to anyone beforehand. Basically they had a uh, 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 electronic bulletin board where you could post and you could say, hey, we're looking to interview some of the women that attend this event. we got a couple there, but most of them, where's your little hand up? Right there. So we had this made and it had the information that we wanted them to find out about. And we went up to people and we said, hey, we'd like to interview you and just here's put this on your schedule and uh, we'll put it on our schedule. And we ended up doing 18 interviews mm -hmm. and then massaged all that content. And that it turned into a book. Shelly wrote a great introduction to it and a great epilogue. She did the interviews. I did the technical part of the recording them. They turned, it turned into 18 podcasts. And so there was a real big benefit for that. And I always feel like there's, there's a way to do that. There, there's a way that you can do that in almost any situation. And, and this comes from my documentary experience, any situation, my, I keep, these thoughts keep popping in my head. I used to have a rule that you could make a documentary by having 10 questions and 10 people to interview. And, uh, and then you shoot the B-roll. That's the kind of the, 
magical sauce for making a documentary. So I took that conclusion into the authoring world and we found out you can do that and do a book. Uh, we could have done a documentary technically if we had filmed it instead of audio recorded it. Uh, but that's a good model for us. I like that model. I think you like that model. It it lets us do what we're good at. She's good at, at coming up with the questions that you're going to ask. I'm good at all the technology behind the scenes stuff, you know, the pre-production, production, and post-production. And it worked out for us. Then that led directly to how are we going to do book number, or do we want to do book number three? What's it about? And we decided to live cast lifestyle. So Shelly set up what is effectively a course in uh, live casting, live streaming, live casting, turning it into podcasts, et cetera, all of that. And that course made up, I don't know, 17, some, somewhere between 10 and 20 shows. And then Shelly took those shows, she transcribed them, she edited them, and we had a book that, that, you know, about what, how we work, what we do, the equipment we use, how we handle it, how we think about these things. And it's a hell of a book. That's our live casting, live cast. Life. Life. The life, the live content casting, creators content creation lifestyle. Um, uh, so that's book number three for us. And of the, of the three, two of them are based on our personal experiences. And to some extent, the podcasting, the women in podcasting book isn't based on our personal experiences, but we had to be intimately involved in order to get it published. And, and it gets good reviews from the women that we uh, interviewed and inc included in the, in the book. So I, I think that's one thing I want to explore more. Every time I think about writing a book, I have to sit down and force myself to do the writing part. But uh, uh, there was... I think with the evolution in AI, and, and we're going to talk about that as, in terms of the future, but I think uh, we've accomplished a lot of things that together we decided to accomplish. And when we both agree to the concept, it happens. If we don't get agreement, the idea kind of floats away, and I, I think we both like it that way. But generally speaking, if we can agree on a, uh, and, and it isn't just agree, there's compromise. New Mexico day trips is very different now from where the idea came up. And that's because it's being refined constantly and because we're getting process. And the refinement and the continuous improvement, as it used to be said in the olden days, the refinement and the continuous, the, I'm sorry, the continuous improvement and the fact that we're we're getting process associated with that uh, makes it uh, gives us the impression that it has exciting potential. And we haven't, you know, every once in a while you go like, oh, we only have seventy six subscribers. Well, you know what? Last month we only had sixty subscribers. So that's sixteen more subscribers than we had last month, and that's enough to keep you going. Like, oh, I really like this, and we're having fun with it. And there is something to be said for planning a trip that's a day trip and calling your best friend and saying, Hey, I've got it. I'll tell you all about it when we start our drive. And I, I don't actually talk about it. I just give her the books. Here's the books that I read to figure out where we're going with this. Hi, Jody. Hello. Good to see you. Nice to see you here. That's right. So let's get into what's coming up for 2023 for Encore Entrepreneurs. Um, 
and I talked about this a little bit in my show yesterday, but last year, the predictions were more towards social audio and get on TikTok. Everybody's got to be on TikTok. Oh my God, TikTok is the thing. This year, it's more about AI, using AI effectively and uh, creating video content that you can put out in different formats so that you can, if you wanted to, use it on TikTok or you can use it as a reel or as a YouTube short uh, and then you can also send, send it out on different social media platforms. So uh, that fits right in with what we do when we create our live stream once a week and then cut it up into pieces and create shorts that we put on YouTube and an Instagram and then uh, put them into square format to put them up on LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram as well. And we're learning more and more about that. I'm going to share a screen with you again. So we're, uh, let me go back to some, actually, let me open the screen. Let me just go back here. So one of the things that we have to do for ourselves is at least, if not predict, at least think about the changes in technology we can expect to be implemented in the coming year. What's obvious, I think the, the three most obvious things for me, I'm not going to say Shelly, I'm not going to say these are Shelly's as well, but the things that are most obvious to me is that artificial intelligence, AI, in various forms is starting to become a tool that has migrated down from the technology companies because they've been experimenting with AI for several years now. It goes back to the mid-2000s from uh, the first conversations about that in big companies uh, occurred. Actually, it goes back to the 90s, but it started getting realistic in terms of should we make investment in the mid-2000s. Now it's to the extent whatever investments that they're making are being easily and quickly and inexpensively distributed to the masses. And I mean, to by the masses, I mean us. So we're starting to see some of the benefits of AI. Some of that is behind the screen, right? So when I upload a YouTube video, there's a lot of things that happen to that YouTube video as a result of AI that I don't have to worry about. They take care of it for me. Uh, when I'm scrolling through YouTube or Facebook videos or TikTok videos, uh, there is AI analyzing my behavior and showing me the videos that, um, that they know I will add to my uh, list of follow following. And because of that, I'll get advertising related to that. One of the things that kind of is frightening to me in some ways is Shelly and I will have a conversation about a topic. Yesterday, we were talking about coins, literally talking about coins. And last night, within my little check all my social media things, uh, there were uh, promotions for people who buy coins or people who talk about coins. So somewhere in the magic of our conversation, it ends up on the screen in front of me. That's AI at work. Uh, whenever you hear someone referring to, quote, the algorithm, period, unquote, they're referring to an, an artificially intelligent algorithm that analyzes your social media behaviors and presents you with materials and advertising, with topics and advertising that are related to those behaviors. Now, there are 
uh, every day uh, people watch a billion hours of YouTube videos every day. One billion hours worth of YouTube videos. And every one of those billion hours viewed by every one of those individuals is, is there primarily because there's an algorithm, artificial intelligence, that is analyzing my behavior, your behavior, and everybody else's behavior that's watching those videos and determining what they think you would be happiest seeing next. And that's going to that kind of artificial intelligence. I, I walk into Wal, uh, to the local Walmart. My phone now knows when I walk into Walmart, it opens the Walmart app and it starts showing me the list of products that I have purchased in the past and which I may want to purchase again. It knows I'm there. And more and more of that is going to occur uh, and become more personal. My prediction is as a result of that, the fact that your life is being customized as a result of artificial intelligence, social media applications like Facebook, like TikTok, like Instagram are not going to have as much importance in my life or my behavior, although it's being analyzed by them, my behaviors are really a direct byproduct of my relationships. I don't have a relationship with Facebook. I do, and I guess I have to admit this, have a relationship with Walmart. It's five minutes away, and I spend a couple of times a week there uh, because I have to buy groceries or I have to buy items related, personal items, or I have to buy things related to the upkeep of my house. So to me, Facebook, Instagram, and some of these other social media platforms don't provide as much satisfaction as going into, to me, don't provide as much satisfaction as walking into Walmart and saying, hey, you, you, you bought this 10 times. Don't you think you ought to buy it again? <laughs> I'm okay with that, right? Because that's me personally. And it's me personally, not with uh, someone at Walmart that's following me around Walmart and pointing out things that I should buy, although it effectively that's what it is. It's a very subtle like, hey, oh, you're in the store. You bought this 10 times. I'm, you may want to buy it again. <laughs> You're probably running out again. Huh? And I think that's how, and I think that's one of those, I think that's one of those technologies, artificial intelligence, because it has such a bad rap, Terminator, um, that we have a tendency, not quite to fear, but like, ugh, I feel like I'm going to get abused by this. You know, oh, it's another technology that's just going to abuse me like Facebook and Instagram. And I'm starting to see that it's being in a, uh, used in a way that tends to be a little bit more wise than the people at Facebook had imagined or Instagram had imagined. And I think as a result, we're going to see, you, you know, there, if there's anything that we've learned about social media applications is they have a limited life because they have a limited interest for two reasons, limited interest and, and, uh, the second is they have to make money. And the only people in that algorithm that they can make money from is their advertisers. And those advertisers on, are dependent upon us, the, us using that social media platform. Well, we know that for most social media platforms in the last year, they've lost users. 
or they've lost user time, FaceTime uh, on the screen. So uh, to me, that means that not only are we going to see changes in the definition of social media, we're going to see a difference in how social media is implemented. And it's going to be, as a result of AI, more personal. Social media is as impersonal. You think it's personal because you've established relationships with your friends and your family. It's not. It's completely impersonal. You're there because Facebook needs you to sell advertising. And they will do everything they can to keep your eyes on that screen as long as you can in order to do that. And so they say, get more friends. Because if you get more friends, that means you're going to be on the screen longer and they can sell you more things. So I think I think we're going to move into a more natural implementation of AI. And as a result, we're going to move away from the social media platforms. And I don't know if that will result in us becoming more uh, personally interactive, seeing our friends more often, not just watching what they're doing on Instagram. Although, honestly, if I don't see I, my get my Instagram grandbabies fix every night, um, you know, I'm not going to cry myself to sleep, but I like getting my grandbabies fix on Instagram every evening. Yes, you do. And there is entertainment value in social media apps. Of course, there's a ton to watch and learn on YouTube, but there's also, um, you know, they do try to be somewhat informational and provide news sources on, well, I can't say Twitter anymore, but it used to be pretty reliable for, um, you know, place for journalists to hang out, to, to get quotes from politicians and other people. Um, and they would bring those quotes to their, uh, television programs and, and, you know, talk about those, uh, Facebook puts up news stories, you know, um, so they, they do try to incorporate the news a little bit, uh, to bring people in, continue to bring them in for that infotainment Mm. value, uh, to keep them on longer, even if they don't have friends on Facebook that they're talking with, they might see some news stories mm-hmm. or some videos that that would keep them there longer. So there's that entertainment value. So I don't think it's going to go away. I think it will. I think it will change. Well, eventually. So every business has uh, it, the founders of that business have everyone. The require it's almost a requirement. You have to have an exit strategy, mm-hmm. right? How do I get out of this business? What do I get out of it? What's my purpose in establishing the business? One of the purposes of establishing a business is to define an exit strategy where you walk away with a big bunch of money in the bank. Uh, one of the examples of how not to do that if was- If you want to buy messages and methods, let me Let know. us know. <laughs> um, uh, one of the examples of how not to do that is Twitter with its, yeah. first of all, its failure to be sensitive to the needs of its what was happening in its community as it became more and more more and more a place of antagonism as opposed to you know what you offer social media is this is a place where i can share my life and everybody's going to be happy with my life well twitter uh, to, to a lesser extent facebook but uh, twitter was the first one of those that seemed not to realize that there was something different that this wasn't a place of happiness and joy this was a place where you just started arguments with complete strangers, you know. And then when Elon Musk, for whatever reason, I still don't quite understand the reason he decided this would be a good investment of his money and time, decided to do that. What we discovered is that all 
all geniuses are not cut from the same cloth, that they tend to be geniuses in one area and not geniuses in another. And as a result, we'll see the eventual demise of Twitter with hopefully replacements. Uh, What was the one? Mastodon. I don't know, because he's stepping out, stepping away as CEO. And if he has come to realize that he needs people in there to run the business who know what they're doing, and he steps out of it completely and just lets it run, I think it could come back. It, it could, except for the purpose of he eliminated 80% of his workforce in the first month. Yeah. And those are people that are not going to come back and say, well, what I want to do is work for Twitter again. There's enough need for technical people out there, people that have mastered this social media model from a background technical perspective that they can find work anyplace else, if not just go to work for themselves and charge the Twitter three times what they used to pay you for doing exactly the same work. So there, there, it may not be enough. I'm actually of the opinion that they have passed the point of no return. Mm-hmm. I think Twitter, it will eventually fail, be bought by a Chinese company and they'll use it to, you know, make propaganda. I don't know whatever the Chinese. <laughs> That's a- I'm sorry. I don't mean that. I don't, I, I you know. Take I, over when we ban Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, so I think when we ban TikTok, you know, right? Facebook, I don't think has quite hit the point, the uh, point of no return, but Mark Zuckerberg is now not a majority, uh, stakeholder in the company. So that means at any point in time, and they went through a huge layoff this last year. As well. Right. Well, didn't they all, I mean, Amazon, yeah. which we thought was like the king of all the sales online thing, had a big 25,000 people laid off. And I remember watching them throughout the year with their little hiring ads, like, come and join Amazon. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering how many of those people joined in the last year they had to let go. Mm -hmm. But that's bad executive management. Those are bad executive decisions. And you have to do something about it quickly. Uh, Putting a CEO that is, uh, as they did in Twitter, uh, which is, for all intents and purposes, a figurehead, it's not going to do it for you. Uh, Zuckerberg is now less than a 51% owner in the company. That means at any point in time, the board of directors to get together and replace him. And I predict that he will be replaced in the next year. Mm. And, and that is the, for whom the bell tolls moment for Facebook. (laughs) It depends who they replace them with and how they change the model. And if they adopt, because one of the, if you're going to, if you're going to replace the founder of any company, you're also admitting that you have to replace the founder's ideas. Meta, for example, was an interesting idea, but I don't, I don't remember anybody on the technology in the technology world going like, oh, this is going to be really neat. No, no, it was hokey because it was a rehash of something that had happened in the mid 2000s. Mm-hmm. Um, Second Life, you know, let's yeah. bring back Second Life, right. but we'll call it Meta verse and uh we'll you know open it up to advertisers and do all this stuff well it's the same thing yeah and it was hokey when uh dwight in the office was doing it and it's hokey now right you know it didn't come back it wasn't one of those fads that cycled around again and it's also uh the lack of recognition of what the online world looks like in a meta universe if you take any of the game big games 
Right. There, there are people that don't want, they want to play the games, but they don't want to be in that social world because like every other. They don't other... want to look like themselves. They can look like themselves any day. Right. They want to look like a dwarf or a elf or, or an orca orc or whatever, orc. whatever they um, are. Anyway, but, but uh, it's also um, transparently angry in the same way that Twitter was, became an angry place. That gaming world the, the news that comes out of the gaming world uh, regularly is how terrible it is for kids or women or uh, or races or whatever because people, uh, as a result of the because fact that they're hide. completely anonymous, yeah. can do whatever they want. And yeah. there's something about, about human beings that when reduced, when put in a situation where they can do anything they want in an anonymous manner. And nobody sees their behavior. They reduce themselves to the lowest common denominator. Yeah. And that's a sad, that's the no state. And no personal yeah. accountability. Yeah. Sad state you know? for humanity. Yeah. And the game, the gaming companies are starting to realize that sooner or later, the government's going to get involved in saying, you know, somebody's going to be injured. One of these days, somebody is going to do that whole swatted thing on somebody and somebody's going to get killed. I don't even know what that is. Oh, okay. you don't? <laughs> so that's what it is when uh, you're playing a game with somebody mm. and they figure out where you're, where you're coming from oh. uh, as a result of good packing. Uh, and they, they contact the local police force and say that there's a terrorist hiding in your house. Mm. And so you end up sitting there with your headphones on uh, and suddenly the police SWAT team bursts into your house. Mm. And threatens you because they think you're some sort of online terrorist. That happens twice a day in America. Hmm. Weird. Okay. Well, so what's the good news? Tell <laughs> the me good what news what, is. Tell me what's good that's going to happen next year. You're good at the good news. That it I'm is good so at... easy to be online, transparent, authentic, and show your face, give your name, tell your ideas and your messages to the world. So that people can learn that you are a trustworthy person and will want to do business with you. And video is bigger than ever for many reasons. But one of them is, is this great equalizer that, you know, a, a one person business or two person business in our case can do just as much um, organic reach as any company out there. We, you know, we can do our videos, we can do our podcasts, we can do our blogs, we can do our social media posts, and it all goes out there and everybody knows who we are and what we do. And it's a great equalizer for that reason. So I believe that we're going to see more equalizing of, you know, business people across the board. Individuals will begin to see that actions have consequences. Mm -hmm. Um, we're seeing a lot in the uh, January 6th issues that are, that, you know, people are facing consequences for their actions and um, people are being called out for lying and promoting uh, disinformation. Mm -hmm. So I think that we're headed in a better direction than we have been in the past few years. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I think, you know, we, we've learned a lot from the pandemic about how to do business online, how to make friends online, how to do networking online, so that we don't have to travel as much. It's a choice, you know. 
<laughs> which is good because you know sometimes the airlines are just failing. <laughs> yeah, they do have their moments, don't they? <laughs> Some moments this um, Christmas. So there's there's good news and there's bad news. The good news is the technologies are made more readily available to people like you and me, like us. And all you have to do is make a minimum investment. What we do today, we couldn't have done uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago. The technologies didn't exist that gave us not only the capability, but the reach and, and helped us to make look good while we were doing it. Uh, and not have to sell your house and some of your children in order to pay for all the stuff that you needed to do it. Although I suppose you could consider that. So anyway, um, so that's that's the good news. It's getting progressively easier, progressively less expensive, progressively less time consuming so that almost anyone could do what we do. And we've said this before, pick your hobby, pick your interest, get on YouTube and talk about it once a week, right? And now you're part of what we think of, as not necessarily as the social uh, media movement, but as the content production movement. We think that creator economy. Yeah, the creator economy. Yeah. Shelly has talked about this on her show a lot. So we're we individually, Shelly and I, have moved away from the the concept of social media to the concept of. of uh, content production and distribution, the content creator uh, 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 economy. And it's possible for anyone. Uh, and you don't have to take it from us. You can take it from a lot of other people. Um, and there are a lot of people making a lot more money than we do on all of this because not only do they do it right, they have the right topic, they have the right audience, they're the right age, et cetera, et cetera. They spend more time but, on it. And they spend more time on it. And they're very it. focused. We're not as focused as we should be. Right. We're going to try to work on that this year. Um, and so all of that is available to you. The bad news is um, what we think of as technology right now and, and each each epic each era has dominating technology in it. The dominating technology for the past 10 years has been social media, right? And how social media operates and how it treats you. That's going to change. And I think this next year is going to be significant in the transition. And none of us have a real good idea of what we think of as social media technology transitioning into the next technology that will be dominant for X period of time. The other thing about these dominating periods is they're getting progressively shorter. We we noticed this, I actually wrote a paper once on how uh, uh, the transitions in technology had been reduced to dominating technologies every 14 months as a result of how processors were manufactured. Well, that's long gone. Uh, and what you have to uh, adapt to is the idea is uh, uh, of what you think of today as dominating technology may not be that dominant technology by the end of 2023. So where are you going to be? What are you going to be doing? How are you going to be presenting to yourself? How are you going to engage with your personal communities and your business communities? How are they going to engage with you? How are you going to provide them the opportunity and the wherewithal to be able to do that? That is the big challenge for 2023. Things, 
and I guess we can say that at any time, things change. Things will always change. You have to be able to change with those changes, become part of what you think is best for you, and then implement that in a way so that your investment in time and money benefits you and the people around you. I think you have to look back in time, at least in the last 10 to 12 years, and say, what is true consistently? What continues to be strong all the time that doesn't ebb and flow and go away. And I think video is one thing that has just continued to grow and grow and expand and become more available to all users to put out content. And um, that is always, I think, going to be the case that we always want to see and hear and uh, interact with people and what, what they're doing and what's going on in their lives. And video allows us to do that. Um, are there any other things that you've seen over the last 10, 12 years that have been very consistently true and haven't ebbed and flowed that you think will uh, stay consistent? Well, this is going to, this is going to sound, sound very self-serving, but the, the one company that I have a great deal of confidence in is YouTube. Now it is a, you know, its parent is Google, but however they've managed YouTube, they've managed, they've, and they've had some, they've had some faux pas. I sure. mean, I remember them having to pay a $175 million fine to the federal government in order to correct their collection of information from people under the age of 13. Mm -hmm. And now we see that fixed. We have to tell you, YouTube, whether this show is designed for adults or not. Um, but they have... Uh, grown consistently, not only in revenue, but in terms of the number of subscribers, the number of users, and the number of their product watch time hours. And they've been consistent. Have I over the past, and, and I think I became a YouTube user in 2006. Were there times where they disappointed me? Yes, mostly because I had greater expectations than they at that point in time could deliver. But now I, I, they and I seem to be coordinated in terms of my expectations and their meeting of those expectations. And that's why uh, I've grown to trust YouTube more than I have any other social media platform. That doesn't mean there's, you know, will TikTok be a power? TikTok is already a power, not necessarily in the United States, as you suggested earlier, uh, but uh, in the rest of the world. So it's going to be there. They're going to be doing those things. But I remember people, I don't know whether you recall Vine, sure. the old six-second version of YouTube. Mm -hmm. Everybody thought that the was... Musical-y? musical Musical-y. Yeah, that's yeah. where TikTok came from. Right. Uh, and they they were all predicted like, oh, Vine is going to be the six-second six TikToks. I mean, six-second videos. Mm. That's the way it's going to happen. And like everything else that doesn't have quite their hands on the pulse of uh, society, uh, they went away. Yeah. And YouTube has It's got to be user-friendly for all ages. Right. Or it's not going to work. That's right. And, and uh, what YouTube has proven is that not only has it gotten progressively more user-friendly, but it has expanded into areas. You know, it saw TikTok and what's happening there. So we get YouTube shorts. Mm -hmm. The first couple of iterations of YouTube shorts was pretty ugly. You know, 
But and they and figure out what, how to market. But they it. don't give up. They tr- no, they, they don't. really thoroughly try right. things, uh, and they don't try them until they're ready to start trying them. That's- Whereas Facebook comes out with stuff. Oh, because uh, we saw social audio, so let's do that. And then oh, we saw this, so we're we're going to do that too. And then it fails. Yeah. So then just like oh, that's done. Um, they don't, you know, they don't get it as much as YouTube gets yeah. it. YouTube is like we're video. Right. If it's video, then we'll take a look at it. You know, if it's making shorts, that's fine. That's still video. So yeah, they have a strong handle on who they are. And and an and example of how strong a handle they have on it and how they're respected is Spotify, uh, which decided it was an audio company and includes things like podcasting now. One of the things they did right away is they said, if you're going to do a podcast, go ahead and upload the video. It doesn't have to be just an audio. We have the capability to play out the video. And if people want to download that, they can download the video, right? What they need is subscribers. And the more they can they can uh, meet the needs of their subscribers, the better off they are. Yeah. So. And th- what did that do? That encouraged... YouTube to take a stronger look at podcasting, podcasting on YouTube. Hire a vice president of yeah. uh, podcasting. And now if you enter a uh, search for podcast and the topic, you're going to get a bunch of podcasters sitting around a studio like us with their microphones uh, because they know it's just as beneficial for them. I know the uh, com- com- comedians community, they do a lot of that. They do a yeah. lot of video podcasting, Yeah, you know, um, and they have a month on YouTube. They have the podcast. That's on. easier if you have more than one person yeah. so that yeah. you can see who's talking and when. Right. Well, I think that we've uh, hashed out 2022 and what's coming for 2023. 2023 is, I think the, the keys are AI and for us, a con- continued investment in uh, uh, YouTube in the sense that we're going to put time and money into our relationship with YouTube, how that ends up on the screen, you know, that's the thing that is still malleable for us. Will we have four channels at the end of 2023? Uh, I don't know. We may have two channels. Who knows? We may have 10. <laughs> we may have your channel yeah, we that we're producing. That for we're you. producing for that's you. That's right. Yeah. And if you want that to happen, then you can just uh, schedule an appointment with us. We'll have a video chat and talk about your vision for 2023 and your content marketing or your YouTube channel and your podcast, whatever it is that you are excited about. We want to hear about it. So uh, schedule a video chat with us at consulting.agkmedia.studio. That'll be fun. All right. All right, friends, thanks for joining us today. Uh, I like these kind of conversations where we don't have a presentation. We just pretty much wing it. Yeah. We might do more of that in the future. I like that. Yeah. All right. Let me go down, take the banner off, go to brand, and get ready to play the outro. And I'll do that right after you say our goodbyes. Thank you for being with us today and for all of 2022. And we do hope to see even more of you in 2023. So, uh, We've got New Year's coming up this weekend, New Year's Eve on Saturday and New Year's on Sunday. We hope that you and your family and friends have a great New Year's Eve, a great New Year's Day, and we'll look forward to seeing you in 2023. 
Thank you for joining Thank you for Messages, joining messages and Methods Podcast Live 2.0 hosted by Shelley Carney and Toby Eunice. Please subscribe and leave a comment or question and we'll consider your ideas for future shows. Share this podcast with your family and friends so they can learn about digital marketing practices too. Check the show notes for links and resources and please come back again next week.